We are living in extraordinary times. Those of us who did not endure the Great Depression and or World War II are living in the most extraordinary days of our lives, and it's all very disorienting. But dearly beloved in Christ, I want to remind you that Jesus is Lord over it all. Jesus, the risen Savior, is with us today as he promised by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to fortify us, and to equip us to live as his witnesses in this sin-sick world in these most extraordinary times. In preparation for today's reading of Scripture and the sermon, now let us read responsively the instruction from the Shorter Catechism, question number 19. What is the misery of man's fallen condition? By their fall, all mankind lost fellowship with God and brought his anger and curse on themselves. They are therefore subject to all the miseries of life, to death itself, and to the pains of hell forever. And I would encourage you later today to look through those scripture citations which are noted there for you in the bulletin. And now let us ask the Lord to bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Almighty and everlasting God, we give you thanks that you, the true and living God, are a God of holiness and a God of grace, a God of righteousness and a God of mercy. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake that you would pour out upon us your Holy Spirit afresh and open our minds spiritually and open our hearts to receive your word for what it is, the word of God. And grant us grace, O Lord, to believe what you say, that we might live as your people forever. Through him who loved us and gave himself up for us, Jesus, our risen Savior, Amen. Let us hear the word of God written in Holy Scripture, Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 6. It is written, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, 
we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. And now unto him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins, To Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, and glory forever and ever. Amen. People all over the world are suffering and dying from COVID-19. People all over the world are living in fear of COVID-19. And people all over the world are working ceaselessly and courageously to bring help and health to those in need and to prevent the further spread of the virus. And in our own community, indeed, within our own beloved congregation, lives have been touched by the invisible enemy. Therefore, dear brothers, and sisters. Let us be faithful to pray without ceasing. And as Christians who submit ourselves under the absolute authority of the Word of God written in Scripture, let us do everything we possibly can to love our neighbor as ourselves. And in obedience to the sixth commandment, let us do everything we possibly can to protect the life of our neighbor as well as our own. And in obedience to the fifth commandment and also to commands in the New Testament, let us willingly, voluntarily submit ourselves to the civil authorities and to those who are in positions superior to ours in this situation, such as the CDC, the NIH, 
the president's task force, etc. And to diligently follow all the guidelines set forth for the good of our neighbor as well as our own. So brothers and sisters, wash your hands. Wash, wash your hands. Wash your hands. And as you do, be sure to sing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. While people all over the world are suffering and dying people in our own state and community. I don't want to appear to be tone deaf to the terrible realities. I don't want to appear to be insensitive to the suffering of others or appear to exploit the crisis for the sake of a preacher's advantage. But on the other hand, COVID-19, more than any other phenomena in recent history shockingly reminds us all and all people everywhere of the virus. The virus which infects all of us and the virus which is fatal 100% of the time and the virus to which no one is immune and the virus for which there is no earthly cure. The virus which is the means by which the real invisible enemy takes its toll on humanity and that enemy is death. Just listen to the Bible. The word of God written in Romans 5.12. By one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Sounds like a contagion. A global pandemic a virus for which there is no earthly cure. Now we, especially we the citizens of the United States of America in the 21st century, especially we the members of this congregation who live at our socioeconomic educational level, we manage fairly well to ignore or to deny the reality of our mortality most all of our lives. You know, because of the abundance of earthly blessings which God has so graciously lavished upon us, we have, we have been lulled into the delusion that we are entitled to live 90 years in good health and then to die peaceably in our sleep. And if not, well, then we've somehow been robbed 
But COVID-19 is shaking us up out of that fool's dream. The reality of sickness, death, economic collapse is all around us. We hear it all the time. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's on every doorknob. It's on every computer keyboard. It's on every gas pump handle. It's on every piece of mail delivered to your door. It's on your clothes. It's on your hands. So wash your hands. Wash your hands. It's all around us. All around us. You can't get away from it. Everybody's got it, which means you've probably got it. And the point is, you do have it. And I have it. And every person on the globe has it. But I'm not now talking about COVID-19. I'm talking about the fatal infection of sin. It's, it's the virus which we moderns just don't take very seriously. But it's everywhere. And it's in all of us. And it's fatal 100% of the time. Just listen again to the Bible. The Word of God written in Romans 5, 12. Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Sounds like a contagion, a plague, a global pandemic, a virus for which there is no earthly cure. And just as the medical professionals and the civil authorities have been urging us to take COVID-19 seriously, and well we should, is it not also true in the midst of this temporary earthly crisis that we should take the lethal power of sin even more seriously for the sake of our eternal souls? Now, Romans 5, 6, and following is, is one passage which teaches us the doctrine of original sin. Sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Now, the logic of that statement really means that the fact that death spread to all men, the fact that all humans die proves, proves that all humanity was included in Adam's sin and consequent death. Verse 15 makes the point by saying many, that's a reference to all humans, died through one man's, Adam's, trespass. Verse 17 likewise says, because of one man's, Adam's, trespass, death reigned through that one man, Adam. This is the doctrine of original sin. Adam was the covenantal head of all humanity. He was the representative embodiment of all his posterity, his humanity. We have a corporate solidarity with Adam, a natural union with Adam as members of the human race. In fact, the word, the name Adam, Adam in Hebrew simply means human. 
And so when Adam fell in sin, we fell in him. His guilt was imputed to us. The sentence of death upon him fell upon us also. And his sinful nature was transmitted to us. And it is a fact beyond dispute that every human born into this world, with the exception of Jesus, is born with a sinful nature and therefore will die. In King David's great prayer of confession, Psalm 51, he acknowledges the reality, the fact of original sin when he says, in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, that is not a moral judgment upon David's mother. Nor does it suggest that the act of sexual intercourse within the bond of marriage is sinful. No, of course not. It is David's own moral judgment upon David himself. And it is applicable to us all. It is a poignant, poetic way of saying that from the instant, from the nanosecond instant of his conception, he was corrupted with a sinful nature. There was never a time in his life, not even in the instantaneous moment of his conception in his mother's womb when he did not have a sinful nature. And therefore, David could have put it this way. I was conceived as a dead man. The same is true of me and you and every person ever conceived with the exception of Jesus. Sinful nature is not something which we acquire. We are born with it. Indeed, we are conceived with it. And from this original sinful nature inherited from our first father, Adam, arise all the actual sins which we personally commit. All the actual sins which we personally commit are symptomatic. All the actual personal sins which we actually commit are symptomatic. They are symptoms. They are symptoms of the deadly disease, the virus with which we have been conceived. And everybody's got it. It's a global pandemic, and it's fatal 100% of the time. But it has to do not only with our natural physical life, but also with our spiritual life. As the Shorter Catechism so starkly says, By their fall, all mankind lost fellowship with God and brought his anger and curse on themselves. They are therefore subject to all the miseries of this life, to death itself, and to the pains of hell forever. Now that is a chilling statement, which a lot of people would choke on. 
But that's the default setting for fallen humanity. The consequence of Adam's sin. And if we're going to deal with the virus of our sinful nature seriously, we've got to take the diagnosis seriously. If we're going to seek a cure, we've got to know how desperately we need a cure. The fundamental reality is that humanity in its fallen condition, corrupted by sin, is alienated from and at odds with God the Creator. And as a further consequence, the whole creation... The whole world of nature itself has fallen into this bondage of corruption, disease, and death. We do not live in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, nor on Sesame Street. As much as many people would like to imagine that we do, we don't. We live in a fallen creation, a creation that was thrown out of kilter on the day Adam sinned against God. And the effect of Adam's sin is not only on us as individuals, it is also upon the whole creation. The whole world of nature suffers from the fall of Adam. And that is the reason that the Apostle Paul goes on in chapter 8 to say that as a consequence of Adam's sin, the creation was subjected to futility. And therefore, the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth. And so we now, in this fallen creation, we live in hope that the creation will be set free from its bondage to corruption. So, so as a consequence of Adam's sin, the whole creation, the whole natural world has fallen into the bondage of corruption, decay, death, and the relationship between man and the creation is out of kilter, upside down. Now you remember that Adam and Eve were created to exercise caretaking, life-promoting, fruit-bearing dominion, lordship over the creation. And the creation was to be in submission to humanity. But as a consequence of Adam's sin, the creation is in rebellion against humanity. And the fallen creation now exercises its dominion over fallen humanity. Now you may remember from your literature classes, those great classic works which fall under the category of man versus nature, man versus the elements, well, they're making a theological statement, whether intended or not. And it's true every day. Whether it's farmers battling the weather which they cannot control, or research scientists searching for a cure for cancer or for COVID or for engineers searching for a, a newer, cleaner, affordable source of energy. It's all man's attempt to exercise dominion over creation in a fallen world. And so in this out-of-kilter creation, there are natural disasters. That's what COVID-19 is. 
It is a natural disaster, a consequence of Adam's sin. Ordained by God? Yes. Under the sovereignty of God? Yes. For the purposes of God? Yes. A manifestation of the wrath of God against sin? Yes. To awaken sinners to the peril of their rebellion against Him? Yes. A rod of discipline upon His own beloved children in Christ? Yes. For the purging and purification of the church? Yes. For the strengthening of the church? Yes. As a forewarning of the wrath of God to come on the last day? Yes. All for the glory of His holy name? Yes. That's what every natural disaster is. We're accustomed to natural disasters. Hurricanes, tornadoes, tsunamis, earthquakes, forest fires. But what we're not accustomed to is all of these natural disasters happening simultaneously all over the globe. And that is what this pandemic is. So it is unlike anything that we've ever experienced in our lifetime. But it is not the first time that a plague has struck the earth. And other plagues were much worse in terms of the death toll. Now that's not to make light of it, but only to put it into perspective, especially the theological perspective. COVID-19 is a natural disaster which has befallen us as a consequence of Adam's sin and the continuing rebellion of humanity against the Creator. A natural disaster ordained of God and under the sovereignty of God just as is every other natural disaster. It is an expression of God's wrath against sin, yes, but not any particular sin, not upon any particular people or group of people or individual people. But it is a sign and signal and an expression of the fact that humanity's rebellion against God provokes his wrath, just as it has throughout all of human history since the day Adam sinned. The Apostle Paul begins the proclamation of the gospel in Romans by saying that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Ever since Adam sinned against God in various and sundry ways, every day the wrath of God against all ungodliness has been and is being revealed. COVID-19 is, in that theological sense, really not unique. So someone, a very, very dear person, recently asked me because of something he or she had read on the Internet, asked if, if God were trying to tell us something. Now, I appreciate the question very much, but let me warn you against all the theological speculations that may be bandied about out there, especially on the Internet. Do not dally in theological speculations. 
We need to think biblically, that is, in accordance with the Scripture alone. We don't, we don't know anything about God's purposes except what He has clearly revealed to us in His written Word. So don't be bothered or distracted by human speculations. So, the question, is God trying to tell us something? Well, first of all, God doesn't try to do anything. He is God. He is infinite, eternal, sovereign, almighty. God does all His holy will and accomplishes all His purposes according to the counsel of His will. But as to the second part of the question, is God trying to tell us something? The only answer can be, what more does he need to tell us than that which he has already clearly told us? He has already told us everything we need to know. He's not telling us anything new by means of COVID-19. A long, long time ago, God told Adam exactly what he needed to know. In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. What more does God need to say to us about the reality of our mortality due to our sin? The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that comes judgment, Hebrews 9.27. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of Adam. Psalm 90, verse 3. No, God does not need to tell us anything more than he has already told us about our death in union with Adam. But, but God, but God, but God has told us something else. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God has told us how he himself has provided a cure for the fatal virus of sin. God has told us how he has provided a way for us to be delivered from the curse of Adam's sin and to be reborn, redeemed, renewed, restored into fellowship with Him in everlasting life as we sang earlier, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. God in His great love for us, in His great love for this world of great sinners has provided for us a new Adam, a true Adam, a sinless Adam, Jesus Christ. 
And it is by faith in Jesus Christ alone that our identity, our identity and therefore our standing with God is transferred from our natural union with Adam under the curse of sin and death into a life-giving union with Jesus Christ who lives forevermore. Do you see the connection? Adam's sin was imputed to all humanity. Sin entered the world through one man and death through sin and so death spread to all men because all sinned. But the cure works along the same lines. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed to all those who place their faith in Him. Those who receive Christ by faith receive the perfect gift of His righteousness freely imputed to them by this one man's obedience Many will be made righteous. There it is. How much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. There it is. Jesus Christ, the new Adam, the true Adam, the sinless Adam, He is the one and only one who can rescue us, cure us, heal us, save us from the global pandemic of sin. Only in union with Jesus by faith are we justified justified before God, reconciled to God, and saved from the wrath wrath to come. The wrath of God which shall come on the last day. You know, the fact is that all of us, with with the exception of first responders and people in the military, but basically all of us otherwise, we spend our whole lives avoiding death. On that day we now refer to as Palm Sunday, Jesus rode into Jerusalem to die. You want to talk about man versus nature? How do you conquer it? Succumb to death and rise again. Are you in union with Christ by faith in Him? Have you personally acknowledged to the holy and righteous Creator to whom you are accountable that you are a helpless and hopeless sinner, a corrupt descendant of Adam, dead in Adam? worthy of God's wrath in this life and the pains of hell forever, that you are sick unto death and have no cure except the cure which God himself in his great love for you has provided for you in his son, Jesus Christ. Look now at the cost of God's great love. Listen again to Romans 5. It's the same passage which speaks of sin, death, and the wrath of God. Look 
Now, what it says about God's love over and over and over again, while we were still weak, helpless, and hopeless, Christ died for the ungodly. God shows, proves, demonstrates His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. Jesus, the new, true, sinless Adam, the only man who was in fact immune to the virus, for our sake and for our salvation, plum, plunged himself into this contaminated and infected world. Taking upon himself our human flesh and blood without sin, so that as a man he could bear our sins in his own body on the tree. So that he could bear our infirmities and carry our griefs and sorrows. And suffer the wrath of God on our behalf, in our stead, as our covenantal head. So that we, in union with Him, the new Adam, might be cleansed from all our uncleannesses, healed of our disease, and raised up into everlasting life in the new creation, set free from the bondage to corruption to live forever in fellowship with him and with all his redeemed people. Whom would you have as your head and representative before God? Adam in his sin and death or the new and true and sinless Adam, Jesus Christ, who lives forevermore? Have you found your cure through faith in Christ have you personally applied that cure to your own soul by laying hold of Jesus Christ in repentance for your sins and faith in Him and been washed in His blood shed for you? Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool like those college students on spring break who assumed that the warnings of COVID-19 didn't apply to them. Don't assume that the warnings of God's holy word don't apply to you. Brothers and sisters, do not fear. Do not fear that the precious promises of God's word do not apply to you. Because they do. God has spoken in word and deed through Jesus Christ. God has told you everything you need to know. What can wash away your sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make you whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. To God be the glory. Amen. Our Father, we thank you for the glorious gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ.
And we pray that by the grace of the Holy Spirit, you would grant us that assurance of faith whereby we know Christ as our Savior and in Him we shall live forever. To the glory of your name, amen. In response to the great gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, let us stand now and to affirm our faith as we read responsively from the Heidelberg Catechism. Christian, what do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? That the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence, is my God and Father because of Christ, his Son. I trust him so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul, and he will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this sad world. He is able to do this because he is Almighty God. He desires to do this because he is a faithful father. What do you understand by the providence of God? Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which he upholds as with his hand heaven and earth and all creatures and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us, not by chance, but from his fatherly hand.